Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. A toxic relationship is a relationship that makes you feel unsupported, misunderstood, demeaned, or attacked. A relationship is toxic when your well-being is threatened in some way, either emotionally, physically, and even psychologically. So is this different from just a bad relationship? And if so, how? And what can you do if you find yourself in a toxic relationship? Or worse, potentially more than one. Can you be a magnet for toxic relationships? Well, these are all important questions that I will be talking about with today's guest, T.J. Woodward. He is a recovery expert, addiction treatment specialist, speaker, and best-selling author. So, T.J., thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about what I know is, I mean, it's a very painful topic, and, you know, and it's also very scary if you find yourself in one. So, so again, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, Leslie. I'm honored to be here, and um, I look forward to talking about how we can actually heal from these toxic relationships. Yeah, I mean, because toxic relationships just aren't romantic relationships. Sometimes they're within your family. Sometimes they're within your friend group. I mean, they're they're everywhere. So, you know, and you know, and having been having been in a couple myself, I know how awful they can be. So let's just tackle that first question. Can you define a toxic relationship and how it's different from just a bad one? Yeah, well, I want to start with talking about kind of what's happening in our culture around this Mm. conversation. You know, we keep hearing this, and this is not a new term, but it's a term that's getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And we hear a lot of people saying we need to remove toxic relationships, we need to remove toxic work environments. What I'm excited about is how we can actually have a deeper conversation or a deeper approach But I think your description was great. You know, a toxic relationship is one that doesn't support the truth of who we are. We're all magnificent, infinite beings, and any relationship that doesn't support that can be toxic. Now, that's very broad. Do you think it's just that we have become more aware of these things? Um, You know, it's funny. I just, I remember my husband and I watching the first episode of Mad Men. And I went and I broke out in a cold sweat watching, you know, how women were treated and you know, like, like, you know, toxic workplace, like you wouldn't believe. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And, you know, this has been in my lifetime that we've been talking about these things. So so what makes a toxic relationship different from just a bad one? Or is that just kind of a linguistic difference? Well, I think you're on to something really important. We are evolving, and there is so much more awareness around relationships that aren't fulfilling. And I remember being young and hearing the way back in the day, I was born in 1965, so in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, the way women were talked about and the way women were treated, the way people of different races were talked about, this was Mm -hmm. quote-unquote normal back then. So I agree with you that we're evolving and recognizing that we do want more fulfilling relationships. And so, you know, we come into the world as whole and perfect beings, as I said, and then we get programmed to believe that we're broken or damaged in some way. Mm -hmm. And because we 
believe were broken or damaged in some way, we are unconsciously continuing to replicate or choose these relationships that are toxic. And I think that's the important thing, how we can actually unplug from what's happening around us and heal from the inside out. But I agree. I think we're on the edge of a, a, a rapid uh, change in consciousness about how we can actually each honor ourselves and each other in a much deeper way. Yeah, and that's, and that's so critically important because I, you know, I know I've you know, do, doing, doing some of my own work and I just have this, my inner critic is the nastiest person you could possibly meet. And I, and I do know where she comes from, but that's, but that's, I end up with that. So you've actually said that toxicity starts with, from within. And so what do you mean by this? Is it that little voice that we all have in our, you know, that nasty little voice that we carry around with us? Yeah, I think it's that voice. And I also think it's actually an energy that we're holding about ourselves. Most of us have experiences very early in life where we make these huge decisions that I call poor false beliefs. The reason I call them core false beliefs is I want to acknowledge that they're lies we've picked up about ourselves. The tricky part, though, is we decided most of us these things when we were so young that it's actually we can't really talk ourselves out of it because mm-hmm. we decided it at a young age. And so, for example, I decided I was unlovable when I was mm-hmm. seven years old, and I can remember feeling that way. And then I walked around not only with the inner critic that was telling me I was unlevel, but th- it was an energy field. Mm-hmm. So I would walk into a room and unconsciously choose the one person <laughs> who could confirm the core false belief. Well, and it's and it's funny because even if you, you know, even if you do that, because I remember doing um, speaking engagements, and I would always you know send out you know a, a, a assessment or you know a rating sheet, and you know ninety mm. percent of the people could give me like this glowing you know response, but I'd be paying attention to the one or two people. It would say I was full of it. And it's like, why do we do that? What, what is going on with that? Well, that's really the heart of what we're talking about because those two people touch some kind of button, right? Uh And so when we talk about removing toxic relationships, we often focus on how do we change those two people Uh rather than, what you're asking, which I think is so important, what is it about me that I keep focusing on that? Well, it's congruent with the core false belief. And maybe consciously we're not wanting to focus on those, but uh-huh. it's in such a moment that that button gets pushed and it's so easy to think it's about those two people, but really your awareness is important. It's like, wow, you know, 98 people can say I'm wonderful, but those two said that, you know, I wasn't. Isn't it interesting that I'm focusing on them? Mhm. I mean, and, and and I do know. I mean, like human beings are wired to pay attention to to those things that can hurt us, right? Because you know, our 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 primary mission in life is to stay alive and reproduce, keep the species going. And so, you know, there is this inherent thing that we do need to pay attention to those hard things and you know I'm sure you're familiar with the you know the positivity studies that it takes five positive interactions to overcome one negative one that's how powerful the negative is but you know but but it seems like we almost or at least some of us give give even more weight to the negative than the norm is that an accurate view of things 
Yeah, I think you named it, you know, early in our evolution, if we walked out of our cave, we might get eaten. Mm -hmm. So something on a cellular level is wanting to protect. But what we want to do is we want to grow enough to realize that we can actually shift and change that. So a relationship might feel like we're actually, it it might feel life-threatening when it isn't. And so I do think there's a tendency when we're unconscious to go toward the negative. I mean, look at the news, right? Mm -hmm. They understand understand how provocative and seductive, you know, drama and negativity is. And so it takes work for us to unplug from that and ask, what kind of life do I want to create? I remember as a result of experiences early in my life, I built a wall around my heart. That Uh wall was there to protect me, and it worked. Unfortunately, though, it also protected me, and I'm using air quotes, protected me from getting the love and connection I truly desired. So it becomes my my responsibility to look at how that wall got built and Uh what I want to do with it. Fair enough if I want to keep it up, but if I want fulfilling, loving relationships, I'm going to need to work on dismantling that in some way so I can allow people in. Yeah, I mean, and, and I've, I've got that same wall. You know I mean, it's, it's very safe behind that wall, but it's also very lonely behind that wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so it is this, I, I liken it, you know, it's a push me, pull you. It's this, how do I open myself up in a way that is authentic, but also is in a way that I'm in charge of. Because, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I remember working with a client and I asked her, I said, well, you know, what is it that you really want? And she said, I want for my husband to never hurt me again. And I went, okay, we're, I was like, okay, we're done because that's not possible. And, and again, I was talking about now if he's intentionally hurting you, that's one thing. But people will unintentionally hurt us only because they have no idea that's what they're doing. They don't, you know, I mean, I remember having this conversation once with my husband. He, he made a, my son made a comment and, and he, and my husband laughed and, and both of those things were hurtful to me. And so later in the day I said to him, you know, I explained to him, I said, Oh, I said, when, when, when Drew said that and you laughed, I said, that really hurt my feelings. And he felt really horrible because he wasn't intending to hurt me. But, and, and, I, and I knew he wasn't. I mean, I knew that somehow he knew that wasn't, he didn't know that that was a hurtful thing to do. So I had to share that with him. But that's a scary thing to do to go, okay, here I'm now telling you what you can do to hurt me. And I'm hoping that you don't use that. And, but I think that's yeah. what a lot of people run into is that do you have the sense of safety to be able to say that? And I think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about toxic relationships. Is that even close? Absolutely. And, that, and, and you said it so beautifully, that safety that we're desiring, the way we achieve that is through vulnerability. We have to know who is safe, someone you know, you could go to someone who wasn't really safe to do that, and that wouldn't have the same result. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've developed a relationship in a way where it's safe to say that. And I want to go back to something because I think it's really important. Um, you know, in my framework, I talk about core false beliefs, mm-hmm. but also brilliant strategies. And the brilliant strategies are managing those core false beliefs. And you said something, and I'm, this is probably a paraphrase, or what I heard you say is, these brilliant strategies can actually work in some way. And a lot of times we say to someone, 
you know, how is it no longer serving you? But we actually want to start with, like, if we use the example of the wall, where did it originate and how has it served you? And genuinely look at what has been positive about that and then look at what hasn't served you based on that strategy, whether that strategy is anxiety, depression, um, addiction, um, running away from a relationship. And then the last thing we want to look at is what do we truly desire? And that's uh-huh. what you said, too. What do I truly desire? And is the strategy that I've developed over the years actually serving me, or is it not really getting me what I truly want? And that is a very different framework than, as you said, trying to get other people to never hurt us because, <laughs> gosh, we're in relationships with human beings. And human beings do all sorts of things that could potentially hurt us, whether they know it or not. Right. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with recovery expert, addiction treatment specialist, speaker, and author T.J. Woodward about toxic relationships. And the truth of the matter is, is the health of your relationships determines the quality of your life. So if you're in a bad relationship, It's really damaging. And if you would like things to be better, I can help. So I invite you to please take a moment and give me a call or send me an email to schedule your five-star relationship discovery session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation about toxic relationships. So, TJ, if someone feels that they're in a toxic relationship, what are their options in addressing it? I mean, obviously one is to end it, but sometimes we can't end these relationships. So what do people do? Well, I think it starts with what is getting touched within. And to be clear, we're not talking about, when I say what I'm about to say, I'm not talking about staying in a relationship where someone is uh, abusing you or hitting you, um, a relationship that's so toxic that, you know, you're you're finding yourself becoming ill. You know, there are people who Mm -hmm. literally become sick because of their work environment. So we're not talking about that. We are talking about most relationships where it really is about unplugging from the other person's behavior and inviting to look at what's getting touched within. Don Miguel Ruiz, not your words that hurt me, it's that you have touched an unhealed wound. And I go further to say the wound is getting touched because it is wanting to heal. So what if we were to change the whole paradigm and say, wow, that person just said something. It touched a button within me. I noticed myself having some kind of internal reaction, and the tendency is to focus on the other person and what they just did. And, again, we're not talking about severe abuse. In those cases, of course, we leave the relationship. But for most of us, it's like, oh, something just got touched. I'm going to blame you and say you made me feel something. But the truth Mm -hmm. is, There is a wound, and that wound is wanting attention. When I start to look at what is getting touched rather than what touched it, that's when I can actually start to to actually make real change in my life. Well, and I, and I love that because I talk about when we're in relationships, we have a built-in scapegoat. There's another person. If that person would just do X or stop doing Y, 
I'd be great, right? <laughs> but I don't have any right. control over them. I only have control over me, which is, that's what I work with my clients. I say, that's the good news and the bad news. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the truth will set you free, but first it might upset you a little. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it's so hard, you know, and I talk about, um, you know, working with, I mean, working with clients, is, and, and you've said this, is where did it happen? I mean, you said that you were seven years old when you had this epiphany, not a good one, by the way, uh, but, you had, but you came to this conclusion that you weren't lovable, and then and what people don't understand is then, is, is then everything else we do from then on is based with that as a true statement, which it, which it isn't, but as far as we're concerned, it might as well be. And so what do we do with that? How do we go into those deeper wounds that, you know, I mean, and sorry, just Freud just popped into my head about blaming the mom. It's like, okay, it's not a, as speaking as a mom, it's not always the mom's fault, but um, but it is so. It is those initial relationships that we really are not. We don't enter into as equals. You know, my 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 parents had all the control. I had a I had a colleague who called them Mr. and Mrs. God, and I said I'm stealing that. Yeah, because they are our first ideas of God, because we think that they're perfect in every way. Now we mm -hmm. might not even. Have cognitive ability to say it that way, but our child brain, you know, if mommy is happy, I'm a good child. If mommy's upset, daddy or teacher or someone at church or synagogue, it, it, you know, when there's someone in authority as a little person, we don't understand that maybe they're the one with the issue, right? And so right. here's the key. I think this is what's really important. When we're adults, 20s, 30s, 40s, and we're, we're wanting to heal this, we don't really heal it only through the mind. You know, I went to therapy for a decade, mm -hmm. and I, you know, of course I blamed my mom for a while, and then I blamed my <laughs> for a while, and then I blamed my first grade teacher for a while, and it, I realized that I understood the pattern. I knew where these core false beliefs developed, but simply understanding where they developed wasn't actually changing them. And I found myself, gosh, it's more painful being in therapy and mm -hmm. seeing that I'm ultimately responsible and I, can't, I can no longer blame my parents for this. It was actually more painful for a while. Mm -hmm. And so actually healing it is healing it from the child perspective, not from the adult perspective. And so how do you, that, that's, that's really interesting. And how does somebody do that? Because I mean, that is one of those things that, and I will say to my clients, it's like, you will be in a relationship and your partner suddenly will have this intense emotional reaction. And I said, and you're looking at what you think is a full grown adult when they're actually a five-year-old kid and they're looking at me like, <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. And I realize you don't understand this is happening, but their reaction is what they would have done when they were five. And so how do we go back in and, and start that healing process? Well, a wise person once said there are three steps, awareness, awareness, and awareness. So <laughs> once, once we have the awareness that it's not really about what's happening, it's really about what's getting touched, and then when we have the awareness that it's getting touched because it's wanting to heal, then the, the, the third awareness is what do we actually do with it? Because uh -huh. I tried to talk myself out of being unlovable. I would say, but I, am, I understand intellectually uh -huh. I'm lovable, but why do I keep choosing these situations over and over again? 
The deeper work for me was actually the inner child work, and that was when something got touched. You know, when I was the five-year-old in the situation, someone said something that was fairly benign, but it touched some historical mm-hmm. thing, and I found myself being five again. That five-year-old, that six-year-old, that seven-year-old needs some attention, and most of us, and I think this is key, most of us weren't allowed to feel when we were really young. So the important thing is to feel without the story. And this is really important. What am I experiencing right now without the story? Just like you said, he shouldn't say that to me. You know, my husband shouldn't do that. These Uh kind of statements, pause, what am I actually feeling? Start tending to the younger self where these wounds develop and allow them to feel, allow them to understand they're safe and start developing or cultivating a relationship from the adult to the inner child. That's where the true healing comes in. And so what are some things, you know, because again, that's, I I 100% agree, and that's what I work with my clients on too, and myself as well, because it's all a work, we're all a work in progress. Um, But how does one do that? Because, you know, we're, we're trained to run away from pain and you know it's like don't put your hand on that hot stove um so how do we learn to sit with that pain from so very long ago that we weren't allowed to talk about it well even even an intellectual understanding that the thing the hand is not in the fire right because you're right we have instinct to protect ourselves, and that's kind of a theme of what we've been talking of, protect our hearts, protect ourselves Uh physically, to start with understanding that feeling it is actually the way we heal it. I mean, that's a cliche, right? Right. We heal it feeling it, and that is so true. Once we have that, then we can start to tend tend to ourselves, and I like to invite people, hey, try it for 30 seconds. You know, Uh most of us don't even let ourselves, like, for example, if we're grieving, someone dies. We might allow ourselves to feel it for a couple of seconds and then distract ourselves in some way. If Uh we were to really lean in and let ourselves feel, we would start to heal in a miraculous way. And then, of course, once we do it and realize the relief that comes from it, I mean, I worked with clients. You know, I worked with a client, and she had been sexually abused as a teenager. She didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to feel it. I Uh understood why she didn't want to, and Uh she finally had this experience not that she went back and had to rehash it and relive it, but the emotions that were present, you know, it's been said, and I can't remember who said it, trauma doesn't show up as a memory. It shows up as a reaction. Uh She had been running from the pain, and then finally she turned toward the pain and felt it, and there was all this surprising relief to her. And so I think when we do it incrementally, just five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, oh, I can do this. Then we start to be able to do it in real time, and then we realize, oh, my gosh, this is actually so much easier than running away from it. Well, and the, and the truth of it is, and, and you've said this, is that, you know, if, if we don't heal it, we're going to repeat it. We're going to be, you know, and, and again, I can't remember... Um, I know that Terry Real, who's a relationship specialist, has talked about this, and other people have as well, that you know, we keep confronting these situations. These, these things keep showing up in our lives to teach us a lesson, to help us to grow, and, and to help us move past it. And so you know, it's, it's like if we, keep, if we keep ending up dating or involved with 
your friendships or whatever with the same type of people, it's like, okay, the universe is trying to tell us something here. How do we slow down enough to say, oh, that's what's going on? Yeah, well, we start by understanding that we're choosing them and mm-hmm. not necessarily consciously. And we're choosing them just exactly what you said because we're, we're trying to heal it. The issue is most of us or many of us project outward and think, oh, gosh, I thought this partner was going to be different. The answer is to leave this person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find someone more loving, more open, more available to me. Oh, look, I found someone. This feels wonderful. We're in the honeymoon stage. And then a year later, we're saying, oh, my gosh, this is the same person. I found my same <laughs> relationship. So we can, we can do that as many times as we need to do it. I had to have five of those relationships in my early 20s until I woke up and said, oh, my gosh, maybe it's what, something that I'm doing. And then, of course, I blamed myself, which didn't really help. But yeah. apparently it was a process. Then I realized, oh, my gosh. I am wanting to heal this, and in a way we heal it in relationship, but we ultimately heal it from the inside out, and that's the opportunity anytime a button gets pushed, anytime we find ourselves in an unfulfilling relationship. That's the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, and sometimes we do have to end those relationships because, you know, we've we've done the growth. I one of my all time favorite clients. In fact, she was one of my first clients, and I I I she was just an amazing amazing woman. She completely changed her life, and and it was this idea of you know as she was addressing her wounds, she was passing through relationships, and she was really confused. She goes, she says, how come I was really close to this person, and it wasn't wasn't romantic relationships in this case. They were friendships. And then suddenly, I'm not, I said, because you grew past them. You did the hard work. You healed these things, and now you're in a different place, and they're still where they are. I mean, she, yes. she, I mean, she, lost, she, she lost the equivalent of a person. I mean, you know, she lost 150 pounds. And, she, <laughs> and as she did this, you know, these other people were just getting really annoyed with her. It's like, I'm not losing the weight for you, but they couldn't handle her change. And so that is another challenge is that when we start this work, we might not necessarily know how it's going to turn out. And isn't that one of the reasons why we don't do it? Yes, because, you know, who would I become if I make this change and what would happen to my relationships and the karmic contracts that I've unconsciously created? And that is part of the evolution, right? As we grow, there are relationships that fade away. There are relationships that we consciously choose to end. Uh, My way of relating to the world no longer serves me. And the great news is it also doesn't serve the other person, right? Uh Um, I've evolved and I've grown and they're wanting the old me and the old me no longer exists. So there you go. It's freeing for both of us. It doesn't mean it's not painful, right? Because we end up having attachments and, you know, those attachments to keeping things the way they are, that can be an unconscious program for people too. We might equate safety with not nothing changing. And, uh-huh. you know, we living on planet earth, the one thing we can count on this in the external realm is change. It's inevitable uh-huh. as we make a deeper contact with the changeless dimension within us, we're able to allow those changes in the world to happen with, I'm not going to say no pain because, uh-huh. you know, relationship ending can be painful, but with less fingernail, you know, claw marks in it, right? <laughs> oh, it's better for me to let this go 
And that is actually freeing for all involved, and that's the greatest freedom of all. Well, and I do think that when we let go of trying to control other people and just focus on dealing with our own stuff, which is, by the way, a lifetime and a 24-7 kind of thing, um, that it actually frees up the other person as well, which means that when the pressure comes off of them, it it invites them to maybe step up because that's really, like you said, change is inevitable. It's just a question of are we... I don't want to say in control of that change because we're not, but are we more in alignment and aware of and um, shaping that change? I guess that's a better word that I'm looking for as opposed to either fighting it or or I, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say, but does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, trying to control it, trying to run away from it, trying to manipulate it in some way. And as we connect, as I said, as we connect with our true essence, then we can allow these changes to happen and we can go with the flow of it. We can start to have more agency and make choices too. I can choose to be in a relationship, not in a relationship. I can choose to work on this relationship. And, you know, sometimes relationships, there are periods of every relationship that might feel like work. Uh And if we recognize that they're always going to be changing and evolving, then we can say, you know, what do I want to bring to this? I do have some, it's interesting the word control because we have a negative connotation a lot of times with control, but Uh I think there's a difference trying to control it and having some agency and say, wow, I do have a choice in this. I can actually shift this relationship. And sometimes the answer is to leave. And as we both said, that can be the greatest gift for all involved. Right. Well, TJ, thank you so much for coming on and having this really important conversation because I, you know, again, people do things like, okay, I just have to fix my partner. It's like, Uh, probably the better place is to look inward and, you know, that's the scary place, but that's where the answers are. So can you share with my listeners where they can learn more about you, more about what to do in a toxic relationship, how to get through it or make better choices around it? Absolutely. TJWoodward.com is a place to discover my books, my workbooks, my courses, and all the different things that I'm doing to help people heal. And uh, I'm so grateful for you, Leslie, and for this conversation. Well, thank you so much. And what I want people to understand is that all relationships, I don't care what kind they are, have two sides, yours and the other person's. And as you've heard today, you only have control over your side of it. And if something isn't working in it, changing what you are doing is where the power is. And so the question I have is what would help you harness that power? And I hope one of the things that you will do is to continue to listen to the show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.